Hold up. Hello and welcome to this episode of Outside the Box Score, where we bring you new and interesting perspectives about the world of sports. I am your host, Jonathan Michael, and as always, I will be joined by my co-host, the marvelous Joey Thompson, in just a few minutes. But before we get started, I want to mention this podcast is brought to you in part by Rakuten. Rakuten is a cash back program. You're getting cash back for all the purchases that you normally make. You don't have to change any of your habits. You don't have to change any of the stores that you shop at as they have thousands of partners. You simply sign up through our link listed in the description of this podcast. You'll receive a special offer, some free money to get started. And uh, you're going to get paid for the purchases that you make using their program. It's as easy as one, two, three. They highlight the steps for you there. It's a great program to become a part of. Everyone's doing a lot of online shopping with the pandemic, trying to stay home, trying to stay safe. We'll go ahead and visit their website. You don't have to change a thing in how you buy and how you purchase in the places that you go. You just make an account with them and you get started. want to mention also to follow along with us on Twitter at JM. OTB pod at MT OTB pod, where we'd love to connect with you and uh, share our thoughts and, and have a dialogue with you throughout the week. And with that, let's get into the show. Let's kick off our first quarter and talk about the biggest surprise of Wildcard Weekend. Wild card weekend, super wild card weekend this time. Six games on tap, more teams than ever before. Lots of really good games, but not a lot of surprises. Kind of what we expected. Mostly favorites winning the football games. Baltimore, Buffalo, some of the juggernauts that we've been talking about this season. They took care of business. A little surprised by the Rams in Seattle, but we've seen that story before. It's a divisional game. Those are always tight. Uh, Seattle's offense lacks creativity and problem-solving abilities. I, I think me and my friends as 12-year-olds were more creative on offense than their, their offensive coordinator over there playing in the park. But, no, the biggest surprise of the weekend was the Steelers and the Browns. The Cleveland Browns come into Pittsburgh – Six-point underdog, haven't won in 18 straight trips to Heinz Field. They come in with no coach, significant players out on the COVID reserve list, and they take care of business handedly against these Steelers. And it started out rough. It really did. Snap over the head, shades of the Broncos-Seahawks Super Bowl, where everything unraveled from there. But Pittsburgh was on their way back. They were within striking distance. And it wasn't that they lost. It was how they lost. Fourth and one at midfield. You have little brother Cleveland on the ropes. You could cut through the tension. You could feel it. You could feel it at the game. 
I wasn't there, but I could feel it in my living room. Browns always coming up small in big moments. They're feeling the pressure. They're playing soft defense. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to play with the lead. They've never been beating Pittsburgh like this before, especially not in the playoffs. And you have it on fourth and one at midfield, down by 12 at the start of the fourth quarter. You could really go to drive home the dagger. I mean, just really put the pressure on them. Pedal to the metal, baby. And you kick, I don't care what the analytics say. Analytics matter. So you bring them into the equation, but you have to know the temperature in the room. And it was clear to me that Mike Tomlin at that time did not. Pittsburgh, they remind me, I've said this before, but they remind me of a Cadillac, the Cadillac of the NFL. They're a strong brand. They have a reputation, but they're kind of old money. You know, Cadillac used to say this refrigerator was the Cadillac of refrigerators or this sofa is the uh, Cadillac of sofas or my TV is the Cadillac of TVs. But then General Motors got a little comfortable. They kind of felt themselves. They kind of felt their reputation. They, they knew they were the Cadillac. Well, they kind of let us slip. Some other players came into the market. Tesla, Lexus, Audi, BMW, and Cadillac. You know, it's nice. There's nothing wrong with a Cadillac. I like Cadillacs, but they're not the same anymore. Nobody really goes out to buy a Cadillac. Just another nice car. And that's what I feel like Pittsburgh is. They're another nice franchise, but if they don't refocus rebrand and move into the future they're going to be left behind it is now time to bring in the marvelous joey thompson how you doing today marv how you doing today jonathan i'm doing great loving these playoffs enjoying watching some of these nba games but man super wild card weekend was amazing yeah it truly was a lot of good gameplay out there i mean it's just just a showcase of talents and abilities. We saw Lamar, as we talked about last weekend, uh, take the next step in his evolution. We know who he is. He's a primetime player. He's a franchise quarterback. A lot of uh, good games, a lot of good teams throughout the league. But I want to focus in on the biggest surprise of the week. We had Cleveland. We had Pittsburgh. And I don't mean to take away from Cleveland. They did one heck of a job. Uh, They took advantage of the opportunity that was in front of them. Baker Mayfield looked really good. Their offense was sharp without their head coach. Uh, Really impressed Cleveland. But I saw Pittsburgh had the opportunity, I think, to really put the pedal to the metal there, to, to step on the jugular. You know, they wouldn't have taken the lead with that drive, but I felt like Cleveland was a dead team walking at that time. Now Pittsburgh goes into the offseason. They got a quarterback. They got a coach that's been around for a while who I really like, but uh, definitely see some flaws in his style. Maybe some, some reinvigoration or some refocus needs to be happening on his end. But Marv, where do we go from here? If you're the general manager, the owner, you know, somebody overseeing Pittsburgh, an advisor, what are we looking to do? How are we going to fix the situation? Because I don't see it being able to go on the way that it is. How are we going to rebrand? The first thing I'm doing is I'm looking for a replacement for Big Ben. As we saw, as the season progressed, Big Ben started out hot. And as the season kept progressing, he started fizzing out. 
he started fading into the background. His numbers started suffering. His he started throwing more interceptions. His arm wasn't the same. It just didn't look the same. I don't know if he lost focus as the season went on. They started out eleven and zero, and they finished, I believe, twelve and four. So they went what one and four in the last last couple of games. It was it was really bad. It was bad performance all around from the whole team, but mainly Big Ben was just out of it. He was looking like an MVP candidate to start the season and finish as one of the worst quarterbacks. Now, as I watched the game on Sunday, uh, Sunday Night Football, I was watching Big Ben, and it just it looked like a guy who's ready to retire. And I, and I, and me being a GM on the, the Steelers, the first thing I'm doing is I'm, I'm looking for a replacement. It's time for the Steelers to make or have a kind of like a soft rebuild. But why I say soft? Because their defense is, is, is nice. It's young. It's intact. They're going to be good for a few years down the line. What they need to do is rebrand, as you mentioned, and hit the reset button on the offense. They need to find a really good, durable running back, first off. They need to go ahead and also add some another receiver to complement the gem they found in the second round. Uh, and they need to get Juju out of there. Uh, Juju is a, he's a decent receiver. His numbers have really dipped since Antonio Brown left the Steelers. Uh, when Juju was in the slot, Juju dominated. But now as he's had to jump outside and take on the number one role, his numbers have dipped dramatically. He hasn't been the same receiver he's always been. And he's become more of a diva and a distraction. And I feel the Steelers also started losing a lot of these games because Juju was being a distraction to the team, dancing on logos and posting TikTok videos. And that distracted a lot of his teammates because they were also joining in on the fun. And that was causing problems because other teams would see it and they would basically put a target on their backs and play even better. Like, okay, you guys are going to clown on us, so we're going to go out there and, and play our hardest, make sure you regret doing that video. And I felt that was a big distraction for the Steelers during the season. And it came to a point where he was like, you know what, I'm not going to do it anymore. And then he reverted right back to it this weekend. And that also gave the Browns more fuel to go out there and, and do what they did to him on Sunday. The Browns were really upset, especially when he was like, the Browns are always going to be the Browns. And a lot of them use that as billboards. Kind of like when you challenge Tom Brady, you, you don't don't call him out because he's going to use that as billboard and he's going to go out there and he's going to beat your backside until you can't no more. And I think that was a big mistake by Juju. He should have kept his mouth shut. Should have went out there and played. So if I'm the GM, I'm getting rid of Juju or letting him walk. Um Looking for a replacement for Big Ben, be it a bridge quarterback and then drafting a guy or just going all in and, and getting one of these young guys like a Trey Lance or whoever is available around their pick. It's not going to be a lot of guys available, so they may need to trade up. That's going to be the first thing. Second, they're going to have to rebrand, as we mentioned, do that soft rebuild and add some receivers and add a running back. 
So it may be another year or two before we see the Steelers being back, uh, uh, being a top three or top four uh, football team in the NFL. Yeah, when I call the Steelers the Cadillac of the NFL, they're living off past reputation uh, because they haven't won a Super Bowl since uh, like 2005. They've hardly even won a playoff game since then against anybody of note anyways. I mean, they lost to your Denver Broncos when they had Tim Tebow who couldn't even throw the football. So not only is their reputation off the past, it's kind of overblown and, and outdated. And, and like kind of a company like Cadillac that falls behind, they forgot to think about the future because I agree with you, get rid of Juju, um, Big Ben's got to retire. They got to revamp that offense. But what's your plan? I mean, they don't have any heir apparent. Uh, Claypool, I guess, but you need more than one good wide receiver on the team. Mason Rudolph and Josh Dobbs aren't successors. They let Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown walk away for nothing or, or a little something. Did they even Marv? Did they even get anything for Antonio Brown? I know. Le'Veon was a free agent. Antonio Brown, they received a third-round pick from the Oakland Raiders at I the mean, time for, when they were in Oakland. But Le'Veon, I believe they let Le'Veon walk. They yeah, they walk. let Le'Veon walk. And Antonio Brown, you give up a third-round um, – or you get a third-round pick, which is nothing. And if that was to revamp your culture, great. I understand why you do that. But then you let Juju dance on all the logos and they make more TikToks than they win football games. I, I'm not, I'm a fun guy. I like to, you know, I like to have fun, but who did they beat this year? Uh, when you, you kind of earn your fun in this business, right? Like if you're, if you're, and they were winning, but they beat the Ravens without Lamar Jackson. They beat everybody with their backup quarterback, uh, the Browns without Nick Chubb, arguably their most important offensive player. I mean, they got break after break. They kind of remind me of green Bay last year. Uh, where Green Bay was 13 and three, but really soft. Every break went there. Pittsburgh was, I predicted they'd be seven and nine, and I kind of felt like they were a seven and nine team masquerading as 11 and five. Yeah, they, they need to rebrand, as we say, but I, I, I just don't know where they go from here because they do need a quarterback. They need a, another receiver. They need a running back. They need quarterback and running back the most, but they've really fallen behind. Marv, one last question for you on this topic because we didn't really get to Tomlin, Mike Tomlin. I like Mike Tomlin. I don't think there's a lot of better coaches out there. You know, some people might say, oh, fire him. That's the easy answer. Don't fire him. He's better than 90% of guys out there. But he might. his voice might be growing a little bit tired within the building, I think. Uh, also, I think he needs to get a little locked down on that that culture maybe too many TikToks, a little bit lack of focus, and maybe they do that with new new um, personnel, new players, no more Ben. But what do you think they should do with Mike Tomlin, or how can he reinvent himself and make these Steelers what we believe them to be or what they once were? I think Tomlin needs to take a, a seat back or a step back, probably uh, consult with some of his uh, peers in the league, to see what's working for them, kind of like a, a similar guy that that coaches has a similar coaching style to him is uh, Flores. From him, you know, talk to him, guys like that, reach out to them, try to find out what they're doing to change the culture. Because look what Flores did. 
for example, he inherited a team with bad culture. He he basically hit the reset button for one year, got rid of all the cancers and all the guys that he thought was destroying the culture there in Miami, and then started bringing in guys that he felt was going to build his culture. And I think that's something that uh, Tomlin should do is take a look at the roster, the personnel, see who he feels is not, how I say, um, taking in the culture that he once instilled when he first came into Pittsburgh as the new head coach uh, a couple years ago or more than a decade ago when um, uh, Cowher stepped down. I believe Tomlin still has it. He's a really smart guy. He's really good at what he does, uh, obviously, because he's been with the Steelers for his whole career. He's been there since he left, I believe, Minnesota. He was a special teams coordinator and turned into this all-time great coach here in Pittsburgh. I feel that if he if he does that, then his uh, coaching career is going to continue there. Pittsburgh is a franchise that's known for keeping their head coaches for a very long time. They're very patient with their head coaches. So I feel he still has a few more years left with the Steelers. They're going to give him the opportunity. I think he just needs to reach out to somebody and figure out how he can fix this in the shortest period of time so that he can continue to win and bring back that winning culture in uh, Pittsburgh that we're all used to seeing. Yeah, they are very patient, Marv. Uh, unlike their counterpart in the same state of uh, Pennsylvania there, we'll get into that in a little bit. But when I look at Tomlin, I see a, a Sean McVay potential. And what, I'm, what do I mean by that? Sean McVay took a reflective look at himself last year after the, the year wasn't as successful as he would have liked. So I think Mike Tomlin can look at himself and say, hey, what can I do better? But bring in fresh voices around him, I think, is the answer here. Sean McVay brought in some new coordinators. That defensive coordinator with the Rams, really special. And he got a new offensive coordinator as well. Mike Tomlin needs some new voices around him to bring in this new culture, new quarterback, new running back. And I think that will be the formula for success for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And with that, let us shift to our second quarter as we talk about the college football national championship. So like everyone listening to this show, I watched the college football national championship. It was fun for a couple quarters, close game, maybe uh, not so much, but it's a really fun game to watch. I know we get the same teams every year, but it's fun to watch it as an NFL showcase. A lot of NFL guys on the Ohio State team, they're, they're blooming, they're younger. A lot of their guys went to the NFL last year, not as talented as they were in the past. Justin Fields, he's a special prospect. We know he's going to be the number two pick in the draft. We just don't know where he's going to go. Um, Alabama, on the other hand, all 22 of those guys, they are going to be playing in the NFL. It's just a matter of what draft pick or what unsigned free agent team that they're going to be on. But my intrigue and my curiosity peaked at Mac Jones. I don't know exactly how you can evaluate him because he makes good decisions. 
He's a smart quarterback. He has a strong arm. All these things are good qualities to have as a college quarterback. But once again, just like we talk about Tua, he plays for Alabama, and it helps to have the level of superstars that he has around him. He has all NFL offensive linemen. He has a stable of running backs. Najee Harris is looking like the next great Alabama running back. Might I add that at one time, Alabama had Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara, arguably the best two running backs in the NFL, and they're paid as such right now. Kenyon Drake and TJ Yeldon, not over a four-year time frame, but all on the same team at the same time. Alabama is an NFL all-star team, almost literally like NFL all-stars in college. I look at the Atlanta Falcons, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, great wide receiver combo. Where do they go? Oh, Alabama. That's right. I don't know how you can tell me that this guy's going to be a first-round draft pick because that's what everyone's saying. I know that there's going to be a run on quarterbacks. There always is every year. And I do see a potential for success with somebody like the 49ers or the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have stability. You have some offensive line play. I don't want to write him off. But Marv, this guy's playing with Devonta Smith, uh, arguably a top-five pick. You know, he's arguably the number one wide receiver in the draft. Jalen Waddle, top 15 prospect in the NFL draft on most people's draft boards. I mean, they are just stockpiled with talent. What are we to make of it? Yeah, as you mentioned, it's really tough to, um, how I say, evaluate Mac Jones, or as they call him, the big Mac Jones. Because, I mean, the guy is prototypical NFL size. He's a big quarterback who can throw the ball. I love his deep throws. He's got really good mechanics. He's smart. But as you watch him play, he plays for, as you mentioned, the all-star team known as Alabama. And it's hard to evaluate a guy when he plays for so many superstars that surround him. It's, it's crazy just seeing all the star power on that field and you're sitting there like, wow. As you watch the game, as you mentioned, it is a college uh, showcase all-star game. And you're watching, you're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Like Najee Harris, he throws – so there was a play. He threw a, a slant, kind of like a screen, to Najee Harris. Najee Harris gets blown up at the line. You you would think Najee Harris goes down. No, Najee Harris keeps his balance and still runs it in. That's amazing. And, and those those type of things you see, Mac Mac Jones. He is smart. He gets the ball out quick. But I mean, when you watch it, you're like, all right. When is he under pressure? When does he have to feel adversity? He didn't have any kind of adversity last night. And that's the type of things that make it tough to analyze a guy like this. And you're sitting like, how how will he handle adversity when the time comes that he has to really face a tough team and his weapons are limited? And it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I like his his makeup. I like what he does. But I don't think I'm taking him in the first round. And if if I'm taking him in the first round, it's going to be the bottom of the first round for a team like, as you mentioned, San Francisco, maybe Pittsburgh, 
or even the Patriots. The only thing with the Patriots is they don't have any weapons, but they can add some to make, you know, surround him with weapons. But the Patriots run a really quarterback-friendly system. If the quarterback is smart and gets the ball out quickly, as we've seen with Tom Brady, Tom Brady, when he first came into the league, wasn't the biggest, he wasn't the strongest, but he was really smart. And that's what Mac Jones possesses. Is, is uh, He's really smart. He knows how to read the field. He has makes quick reads. And I think that's what he has going for him. But I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Alabama quarterbacks as we've spoken before in the past with Tua, which so far I have been pretty right about. Uh, I like Matt Jones. Yeah, and, and I like Matt Jones a little bit more. I like him a little bit better than Tua only because he has the prototypical size and I feel his arm is stronger than Tua's. So it really, as we mentioned, it really depends on fit. He's a, he's a, he's going to be your prototypical, prototypical systematic quarterback. So it really depends on where he goes. If he goes to a really bad team, it's not going to work out. He's going to flame out in maybe a year or two. But if he goes to a team that has a, a is well-grounded and has a good foundation, a good offensive system, then we may see a, a potentially really good quarterback that could become kind of like a Matt Ryan type. So we'll see. I, I hope the best for the kid. Um, and we'll see as the process continues for the, uh, before the draft in April. Yeah, the one thing I will say on the favorable side for him uh, to add to the points that you made, you said, when has he ever faced adversity? And he hasn't really at Alabama. I know they mentioned they've scored 35 points in the last 25 games or straight. And so you're like, when does he ever trail? The answer is never. Um, players were wide open all the time too. I felt like I could have made a lot of the throws out there to be honest with you. Um, but no, the positive of adversity for him though, and you said you liked him better than Tua, it kind of made a light bulb go off in my head. One of the biggest problems I had with Tua is he never had adversity at, at Alabama, just like Matt also never faced adversity period. He was like the number one recruit out of high school. He came in in his freshman year and lit up the national championship. I mean, there was like no adversity in his life. And I'm on the record all the time saying, I like a quarterback that's faced a adversity in their life. You know, Joe Burrow, kind of more than Trevor Lawrence. He has faced some adversity because he didn't come into Alabama as the number one quarterback. He was a three-star recruit. He sat behind some guys. He had to become the smarter, uh, bigger, stronger guy. He had to develop into that. Uh, I don't think he was that right away. And so I kind of like that about a guy when I think about that. I like that somebody who has to, to overcome because when you're coming in the NFL and you're a first round draft pick, especially if you're higher up, like you're playing for the Jets or the Jaguars, you don't have an office, uh, awesome offensive line. You don't have star receivers around you all the time. You're going to be trailing. You're not going to have the run game to fall back on. Uh, watching Najee Harris too, Marv, another play to add to that. Remember when uh, there was that pass right at the goal line? He got walloped, just absolutely smoked as he was catching the ball and he still caught it somehow he like juggled it in the air like caught it these i was thinking about that while you're talking like these guys aren't even human that he's playing with i mean it's kind of unreal to watch what they're capable of doing there in alabama must be something in the water i'm not sure <laughs> um but yeah he certainly has the capabilities to be that 
prototypical, and I know it's always a negative word, but game manager. I just don't see the first round. We're talking like as high as the 15th pick. I mean, high second round trade back into the first round. I'm with you there. I can see taking him at that point. But boy, do we get out of control with these quarterbacks sometimes. Some people believe Kyle Trask at Florida is a first round draft pick. And he had Kyle Pitts, who's supposed to be a top 10 pick, one of his primary receivers, tight ends, um, running back. The guy does everything. If you haven't you haven't watched him go on YouTube and type in Kyle Pitts, Florida, and watch some highlights. Incredible. He goes without him for his bowl game, and he throws three interceptions in the first quarter. So just a cautionary tale about what happens when you lose your security blanket like Devonta Smith, uh, like Jalen Waddell at Alabama, or like Kyle Pitts at Florida. These guys have a lot to overcome going into the draft. I like uh, Kyle Trask and and Mac Jones is kind of second, third round picks. Uh, Mac Jones more than Kyle Trask, but be careful, NFL general managers. Be careful, NFL fans, because not all it's cracked up to be. And with that, let's shift into our third quarter. It is time for money making Marv. Here comes the money. Marv has been hot this season, cooled off in the playoffs. The playoffs get tough. You don't know how teams are going to play exactly. You don't have as many games to pick from. One or two, not bad, not bad, not bad. But we take responsibility for when we're right and when we're wrong, and we've been mostly right, and so is Marv and his picks. But he's got some picks for you this week. There's four games this week. It gets a little bit tighter. He tells me he's got two locks, and he's going to pick the other two as well. So here we go. Marv, can you please give us your first lock of the week? My first lock of the week, I really love Buffalo over the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the game's going to be played in Buffalo. Uh, the Bills just keep impressing me. Uh, they've been really good with these small spreads all year. They've struggled with the big spreads, as we saw last week. They weren't able to cover against the Colts. But all year round... I've been picking them uh, with these small spreads. They've been covering. So I really like the Bills to win a close one. It's going to be a classic battle. Lamar versus Allen. Just sit back and enjoy the, the, the show. Minus two Buffalo. I think this is going to be the best game of the weekend. Just that, that quarterback matchup, as you mentioned. It'd probably be the last game I bet to be honest with you, that tight spread. I know you're money making Marv. I'm not, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, I like Lamar Jackson a lot. You know what my lead of the show was last week, that this guy's the truth. This guy's the real deal. I know he's not traditional. He's not exactly what you might look for, but I really like him and I see him taking that next step here. I know we took it against Tennessee He's locked in. He's focused. And don't get me wrong. I like Buffalo and I like Josh Allen a lot. I, there's a lot of like going around here. I, I like these teams a lot. Uh, I don't think either one of them is necessarily going to win the Super Bowl this year. But it's tough to distinguish between the two. I'd probably take the points here. And, you know, my affinity. We kind of got a battle going on here, Marv. I love Lamar Jackson. You love Josh Allen. So we're taking our sides. You know where we stand. So I, I'm going to give you disagreement on that lock. But there's some things to think about. Marv, as he said, you've been betting Buffalo all year and they haven't lost for you once. So keep going to the bank. Marv, can you give us your 
Second money-making pick, please. Yes, sir. My second lock, I'm taking the Buccaneers at New Orleans. This is a bold pick. Reason being is you would say, Mark, hold on a second. Didn't the Saints sweep the Bucs? Oh, yeah, they did. The second game, the Bucs almost pulled that one out. They, I believe they lost by about three points. It was a really close battle. So what does that tell me? Is the Bucs are starting to get used to playing the Saints. And it's really hard to beat a team three times in the season. It's rare. And I feel the Bucs finally are clicking on all cylinders. Antonio Brown is looking like his old self. Mike Evans is looking like he's getting healthy. Uh, Chris Godwin looks healthy. So watch out. Oh, and might I add, they won last week without their top running back, and they have Fournette who's looking like an old Fournette. So I really love the Bucks this week. They're getting three and a half points. Take it to the bank. Bucks are going to win. Tom Brady wants revenge. Tom Brady wants is out to prove himself again. He wants to prove that he can win. And they're getting three and a half points. They're being disrespected as always. Take it to the bank, plus three and a half. There's a couple really important points that I think make your point, Marv. The Buccaneers, when they played the Saints, I know you mentioned that they're 0-2. It is really hard to beat a team three times. But that first game, that was Tom Brady's first game on the Buccaneers with no preseason. So I'm going to kind of throw that one out the window. And then the Saints, they kind of peaked early to me. Uh, Until the middle of the fourth quarter, they were in the game with the Chicago Bears, who not very good team in the playoffs. I would argue worse than the football team. They were missing three key players, their star middle linebacker, Roquan Smith, their best wide receiver, well, one of their their deep threat wide receiver who complements Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, who's come on really strong. And they were missing their, one of their best corners in Jalen Johnson. And the Bears aren't very good with those three players. So how good are they without them on the road with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback? 0 for 8 on third downs in time that mattered and you're only winning by four points most of the game. Yeah, I'm not really going to buy any New Orleans Saints stock. I'm going to sell that hard. I'm going to take the points, and Tampa, they're going to win this football game. As you mentioned, it's it's not going to happen beating Tom Brady three times. Uh, I, Marv, you and I are some, in some of the same Madden franchises. I don't want to play you three times in a season. If I beat you twice, I don't, I don't That's too much. You've seen all my playbook. You've seen everything that I have to offer. And that's kind of the, the same situation. Madden is NFL simulation. It's the same deal. Uh, you're not going to want to do that three times. I definitely see the Saints run ending here. Drew Brees' career being over and Tampa Bay moving on. Marv, you gave us your two locks. Those are the ones that you're most comfortable with but you're going to pick the rest of the games for us so can you give us your third money-making pick my third pick i'm taking the packers minus six and a half versus the stout defense that the rams have uh this one i was back and forth on packers are i've looked really good all year but man that rams defense is stout and I made the mistake of picking against them last week. I hope I'm not making the same mistake this week. Um, I'm taking Packers six and a half points. 
You know, it's funny. You and I both had the same revelation last week uh, on Seattle, Russell Wilson, and we get kind of in a trance. And then by Friday, Saturday, after we record the show, we we're both like, oh, the Rams are the side plus three. Duh. <laughs> and then our audience gets shafted with the wrong pick. But sometimes we have these revelations later on in the week. And uh, But when it comes to this game, the Rams and the Packers, boy, if I were betting this game, I'll tell you this, I would live bet it because I would want to see how the first drive or two goes because I think that's going to be really important. But I get shades of the 15-1 and one Packers playing those Giants that nobody gave any chance because I don't think anyone's really giving the Rams any respect or a chance. And I do think that the Packers are the best team in the NFC, uh, maybe the best team in football. But there's something about this matchup. I have this eerie feeling that it's just not the right deal here. Uh, if the Packers get off to – I say live bet because if the Packers get off to a fast start, they might blow the doors off this thing. But in terms of a matchup, you have the best secondary in the NFL. A lot of people don't know that. Rated the best secondary in the NFL, Jalen Ramsey and the crew, against – Devonta Adams and a bunch of guys. So if you can take Devonta Adams away, then what happens? This is going to be a really, really interesting game if you're into football and the strategic chess match, chess match that it is. It's going to be a really fun one. Marv, can you give us your fourth and final money making pick of the week? Now this one was a really tough one, uh, being Cleveland coming off of a big win on Sunday Night Football against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was a large spread. I believe it was seven points. Uh, this week, they're facing another large spread. And this time, I'm going with the Browns, plus 11 in Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs have been amazing, short of amazing all year. Uh, they finished 14-2. and two. The second loss because they basically played all their fifth-string guys. Uh, but... The Chiefs have been unstoppable. But I really like what the Browns are doing. They're going to get their coaching staff back from COVID. Uh, they're getting a lot of players back. The Browns established a run really well. I like their two-headed monster and Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt is going to play with a chip on his shoulder. I feel the Browns might keep this game really close. Uh, as we you mentioned before in uh podcast um, shows earlier. Uh, the Chiefs have sleepwalked the majority of the season. And I feel they might underestimate the Browns. They might not take them as serious. And the Browns will keep the game close because the Browns can put up points. So I'm taking the Browns with the points plus 11. I can see why you didn't put these as locks of the week, Marv, because these are tough. Kansas City is a significantly better team. Cleveland kind of already won the Super Bowl. They haven't been to the playoffs since Baker Mayfield was in like first grade and they won a game. And that is a huge deal for them and something to build on. But let's be real here. Kansas City is, is far better, uh, better roster, better talent uh, on offense and on defense. I just don't see any way the Browns can win. And, and that makes me want to go Kansas City by a lot. But what do we know about Kansas City? They kind of sleepwalk through the game. They could either get up real big and let them backdoor cover or just keep them in the game for a while, kind of like they did. Or, heck, even get down. Who cares? Get down 20 points and score 24 points in three. 
mean, that's what Kansas City does. They're kind of all over the place. I don't know what to make of them. I don't like to bet them. Uh, but if you're going to take a side, I, I would take Marv's side. I kind of like the points here. It just gives you some cushion and something to work with. Maybe you could throw it into a teaser, uh, buy some extra points, get up to like 16, 17 points. That'd be real interesting, and I'd probably take Cleveland in that case as well. So those are your money-making picks of the week. Marv has two locks and two advisory picks, so choose wisely. And with that, let's shift into our fourth quarter. We have some news from around the league, our quick hitters. We're going to give you the news quickly. As the name suggests, we have a little bit of NFL, NBA, and college football. So here we go. Marv, I think we were all blindsided by the Philadelphia Eagles firing head coach Doug Peterson. They said that they were going to retain him just a couple weeks ago. Uh, he won a Super Bowl three years ago. Winning record as a head coach for the Eagles. But then that weird Sunday night happened where he benched his quarterback and things got messy and then he got fired. But what do you make of it? What what actually happened here? I feel this situation has been something that has been, how I say, percolating for a while, building up to the moment. Uh, since last offseason, I believe in the 2019-2020 season, the Eagles were coming off of a 9-7 and record. They had just lost in the playoffs. And Peterson was asked to relieve his offensive coordinator, Al Groh, of his duties. Now, Peterson did not want to fire Al Groh, but front office made him basically fire, is what the reports are saying. They made him fire Al Groh. Algro moved on to the Colts, and of course the Colts went 11-5 and had a pretty good season. Now, the Eagles then moved on, and during that offseason, Doug Peterson was rumored to be uh, really upset, and he was looking to quit on the Eagles. Then the Eagles convinced him to stay, and the rest is history. We know what happened. COVID happened, a lot of injuries. The Eagles had a bad season. And then we fast forward to week 17 where uh, Peterson decided to bench his uh, rookie star quarterback for the third string quarterback and the rest is history. I feel this has been boiling over for a while. Doug Peterson has been wanting out and the two sides weren't seeing eye to eye. This was uh, The Eagles went out and said it was a mutual parting. Others say it was a firing. I feel Doug Peterson just no longer wanted to be there. And I feel it was a bad move by the Eagles organization. It felt like they kind of forced the guy, the forced the guy's hand and then basically made him quit. And some say he was set up, but I feel that this was just a bad divorce and possibly the fastest I've ever seen a Super Bowl winning coach get fired. Yeah, very confusing. As you said, fastest I've ever seen a Super Bowl coach get fired. That's for starters. But beyond that, why did he bench his starting quarterback in a close game? Was it 
uh, FU to the Giants so they could, couldn't get in the playoffs. I kind of thought maybe it was because he had his job secure and he could just kind of toy around and do whatever. Um, was it a screw you to the owner? I'm not sure. That was so very confusing. Could be any one of those things. It could be that bad relationship that you mentioned. But beyond that, you fire Doug Peterson. I don't see a lot of really high-level coaches, and I could be wrong because a lot of times we're surprised. I mean, who the heck was Sean McVay, right? I don't see a a lot of high-level coaches this season. And on top of that, you fired Andy Reid, who was incredibly successful. You fired Chip Kelly, who had a winning record. You fired Doug Peterson now. Uh, Your salary cap is a mess because of Carson Wentz and other older players who are being paid a lot. Um, And you look around the league and you say, okay, Jacksonville, they have Trevor Lawrence. They have a nice young roster, tons of salary cap space. The Jets are going to have the number two pick who's either Justin Fields or a Hall of Picks. Atlanta has patient ownership, a great franchise, a lot of winning. You can draft a quarterback to sit behind Matt Ryan for a year with no rush there. This is not an attractive job, despite what the uh, window dressing might make it seem. Philadelphia, they've won Super Bowls. They're in an easy division, stable franchise. It doesn't really look quite attractive. And if I were a coach with my uh, choice of franchises, they'd be at the bottom of my list. So that's the part that makes it the most confusing. And next, we go to the NBA for a minute, Marv. I have never seen anything like this. Kyrie Irving has been skipping games because, by all reports, he just doesn't feel like playing. Boy, I wish I could do that. I don't really feel like going to work today, so I'm just not going to. And, yeah, you're going to pay me, too. Uh, Marv, this creates a disconnect from the regular person, the fan, uh, it's a problem with the NBA that they let this happen and, and something needs to be done about it. So maybe you could expound upon that, but like what the heck is going on with Kyrie Irving here too? What, what's happening? I think Kyrie Irving's probably lost his mind. Um, he's come to a point where he feels that he's entitled to everything. He believes he's Michael Jordan or, I don't know. I, I guess he thinks he's LeBron James. Not even LeBron James pulls these kind of stunts. And people criticize LeBron James for every move he makes. But when have you ever seen LeBron James pull this kind of stunt? This is this is something unheard of and unseen before. I've never seen a guy. I mean, the last time I saw something like this was when Dennis Rodman decided not to show up to practice. And he went and flew out to Vegas and partied before a game. Um, this is up there in that kind of level. And I, and I feel it's very disturbing for a team that's had championship aspirations. Uh, finally, coming back, they have Kevin Durant coming back from major Achilles surgery. Uh, they, you know, they have a bright future. They have a new coaching staff. This is setting a bad, uh, how I say, it's, it's, it's showing that he doesn't care. And it's, it's, it's a bad image for the, Brooklyn Nets and their fans and fans are starting to lose patience and eventually I feel like the coaching staff's going to lose patience and it's going to turn into a very ugly situation real fast if uh, Kyrie Irving doesn't clean up his act because it's shown that he's very selfish uh, he's popping up on social media videos uh, and parties and 
and things like that. Supposedly he was out because of personal reasons. And then now we're starting to see these videos. That's not a good look. And I mean, I'm not one to judge anyone about their personal life, but I mean, if you got a job to do, I mean, do your job. I mean, that's what we all do. You know, we all go and do our jobs. If we're sick, we call out, but obviously Kyrie Irving is not sick and he's, not had a loss in the family or anything tragic happen to him. He's just simply wants to do what Kyrie Irving wants to do. And I think that's very unacceptable. Yeah. All I'll add to that is uh, remember about a year, year and a half ago, we were talking about KD and Kyrie going to the New York Knicks, your New York Knicks. Uh, you dodged a bullet there. I was rooting for yeah. it because it was a it was a pending train wreck. Uh, we called that, and I thought it'd be interesting. Broadway, New York. I guess it's the other part of New York uh, with the Brooklyn Nets, but <laughs> it's the mess that we predicted because there's no accountability, there's no responsibility. It's just whatever goes with Kyrie, uh, and he didn't like accountability in Boston, so he left there. He's interesting. I just love the Charles Barkley thing. And not that I've talked about Kyrie and I've actually given him credit for standing up for social issues that he believes in. And he really had some valid points and it's not a shut up and dribble thing, but it's like, I love Charles Barkley's comments. Like, dude, you dribble a basketball. You're not Picasso. Like <laughs> you're not an like you play basketball. Stop acting like you're the smartest person in the world. And I totally agree with that. And last but not least, big news in college football. The Texas Longhorns hire Alabama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian. Now, Steve Sarkeesian has been the head coach at Washington. He's been a um, NFL coordinator. He's bounced around a lot. Now he's at the University of Texas. Marv, what do you make of this? I'm not a big fan of recycling coaches um i think texas should have went a different route uh we've mentioned this before in the past it's kind of like getting the same type of guy by hiring sark and firing herman they're the same type of guy uh they've basically gone through the same cycle uh, i felt texas should have went outside the box and hired a young up-and-coming coach uh, some new blood to say and bring them to Texas because we've seen them recycle coaches before in the past and it has not worked out for Texas. Um, not since, I believe, was it Mac Brown that was the head coach there years ago? And yeah. they were winning multiple um, Big 12 championships and they were a really good franchise. And then, then they decided to start hiring a bunch of uh, recycled coaches and it's been... A downward spiral ever since so i'm not a big fan of this hiring i mean he did a great job in alabama but of course when you're offensive coordinator for alabama that's kind of like um where former head coaches go to resurrect their careers and it looks like it worked for him i wish him the best but i just don't see any positivity in this hiring yeah i really didn't like the move i like steve sarkeesian a lot as an offensive coordinator very successful in the pros as well as college. I don't think he has the cachet or the personality, the gravitas to be a head coach. Um, he failed at it 
in the end at Washington because he had a drinking problem. And not that I don't believe in second chances, but it's kind of like Texas is the multi-billion dollar brand. And you're a billionaire and you can afford a private jet and you can afford brand new Maybox and you go to the car lot and buy a recycled used Toyota. I don't understand the move. Not to mention Tom Herman is kind of the same thing, but they owe him $20 million, him and his staff, so it's expensive. I love when Marv says outside the box to use the the show title, outside the box score. I just get all giddy over here if you could see me. But you do have to go outside of the box here. I mean, a Matt Campbell, a young guy who's upstart Iowa State. I mean, what is Iowa State and who wants to go there? And he's had huge success there been in really important bowl games, been competitive, won them. The Jets wanted to interview him. He said, no, thanks. If I'm Texas, I'd give him a call over somebody who's already been this head coach and at the high level. Washington's a high level program to me. Uh, They were a top 10 program for a while. Um, Maybe they're not Texas or Alabama. So it is a, an upward move. But when you got a young guy like Matt Campbell, I think is in his thirties. Uh, maybe his early 40s, not sure, but just starting out, just got his first gig at Iowa State, moving his way up. Uh, I kind of look at Matt Rule as that blueprint. Everywhere he's gone, he's been successful. You want to find this young guy that's not really discovered, that hasn't had his chance at these big programs, and bring him there. You're Texas. I mean, Texas is such a big brand to me. They should be in the national championship every year with Alabama. They really should, and it's a total waste of their program. I never root for anyone to fail. So I'm not saying Sarkeesian will be bad at all, but to me, it just doesn't make any sense. And as you mentioned, the recycled route has not worked for them, but I hope it works this time. His play calling is incredible. A lot of really interesting calls and a lot of wide open players on Alabama. It's part, partly the players, but Ohio state's a really good football team. You have to have a good play caller to get those guys that open. So at the end of the day, congratulations to Sarkeesian and uh want texas to be good again i think that's important for college football to be interesting and be less regional i know it's south but it's a different conference and it's just a different vibe and a different feel and texas it's football's a religion there so i really really want texas to be good just like i want your knicks to be good marv maybe someday (laughs) they're on their way that's your pick for 2021 we have to remember that they're going to be good real soon that folks is the (laughs) i hope too (laughs) that folks is the end of our show we thank you very much for listening. If you have not, please leave us a review. Please contact us on Twitter as well. If you have something to say, if you tell us we suck, we don't care. We want to interact with you at MTOTB pod at JMOTB pod. We'll be on there. Uh, we'll be posting updates, podcasts, etc. cetera. Uh, Marv, do you have anything else for the people? Before we let you guys go, just some, uh, breaking news. Um, Seahawks have parted ways with their offensive coordinator, Brian Schottenheimer. We mentioned them Thank on the God. And Chuck Pagano is retiring from the Bears. So some big news happening in the last couple of minutes here uh, on Monday. So I'm sorry, Tuesday. So just keep an eye out for those um, those openings. It's going to be a lot of movement this offseason in the NFL with coordinators and GMs. It's going to be an interesting offseason. I am so thankful that the Seattle Seahawks will have a real offense. I really was not kidding when me and my friends at 12 years old were more creative at playing in the park 
that <laughs> offense is just straight handoff and just shot plays. It's just sad. And to have that much talent and Russell Wilson was such a waste in the playoffs and before. So that's really exciting. Um, that's really good news. And of course the bears were going to, they were going to fire Chuck Pagano. So he said, okay, I retire. So that's, you know, good for Chuck. He doesn't have to get fired. That's good. Um, he was definitely going to be the fall guy there. So, uh, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Later, people. It's a Hold up.